The IZ Robot Stuck at Home Show. Hey kids, it is me, it's your dude, I see robots, we're back for another super exciting, super fun episode of the Stuck at Home Show, that's the one where like, there is this scary, like, super scary bug floating around in the air, but it's all good in the hood, because we're like, doing everything that we can do to fight it, we're wearing masks, we're hiding, we're doing like, all kinds of stuff, washing our hands, but it's gonna, it's gonna get good dude, it's gonna get fine, there should be a, uh, what's it called, a vaccine coming, should be coming soon, and once that's here, we're gonna get it pumped into our veins, and we're gonna go out and about in the world all free and happy and whatever. This is, this is actually factually episode number 60 of this show. That's wacky, right? A lot of things never even make it that far. Who would have thought that this stupid virus would have, like, trapped us in here long enough that I'd be doing 60 of these stupid shows? I, I apologize to all you guys out there for wasting your lives like this, but what are you gonna do, man? It's not my fault. It's nobody's fault. It's maybe somebody's fault, but I don't... I don't want to get into the politics of this or that. Let's, let's see what's going on. I think right now, if you guys listen, listen like really closely, maybe if you jack the volume up, which I don't, I don't recommend. Maybe if you're wearing earphones, you can hear it. But there's somebody outside my house chopping down a tree. The people who are moving across the street, the people who I don't like very much. They're moving away, but they're doing like all kinds of things in their house to get it ready for the new tenants, like chopping trees. Cutting down bushes, I don't know, power washing, just all, all, all those kind of things that people do when they're getting ready to put their house on the market. This is a joyous time. This is great. I'm so happy about it. I can't, I can't even let you know the joy that flows through my heart without putting you at risk of, like, some kind of a, uh, cardiac episode. The joy, if it flowed from me into you, you might die, and I would feel bad about that. The, uh, the people who used to be over there are still kind of over there, I guess, because they're not, like, fully gone. Like I said, they're, they're getting ready for things to go, but they, they've had, like, their kids over there, and it's just, like, so loud. It's like they, it's like a nice reminder of what it was like when they were here full-time, because they're not here, like, every single day. They're only here, like, every few days, and today's one of the days where they, where they happen to be there. But let's, let's not dwell on that. Let me, uh... Let me reach over here, and I apologize, because I am far away from the mic. I am looking for something over here. I I gotta do, uh, I gotta find something. Hold on, where is it? Oh, here it is. The Arthur Fonzarelli brand switchblade in full effect. Let me open it up, because I am going to open up a box of joy that I have right in front of me. I can't wait to get inside of it. I have bought something. I apologize for all the ruckus. Let me... Let me dig into it right here. Let me open up this side. Let me open up this one. I almost cut myself. Almost cut my own head off. Let me uh, let me open it up one more time just for the fun of it. Snick. Let me put that right there. Let me get into this box. I, I did a terrible job with this. I apologize. I'm just so excited. I'm so excited. Let's open this one more time so we can see what is inside. It's going to be super fun and we all will smile a smile of joy. This is something I bought that I am super happy about. Here it is. Oh, that's nice. They put it inside the actual Walmart bag. How uh, nice of you to show me where you scalped it from. I appreciate that. I'm... I'm fine with that anyway, because the box is nice. They wrote thanks on the outside, which is, which is cool. What I have in my hand right here as we speak is the, what I have in my hand right now as we speak is the Masters of the Universe retro play modern posing version of Beastman. Beastman is, of course, Skeletor's sidekick. He is like an animal dude. He's orange. He has scary teeth. He has 
Fur. I like this guy a lot. He is Beast Man, the savage henchman of Skeletor, who we know is the evil Lord of Destruction. I am so excited right now. Let's let's break into this. I I just can't I can't wait. I can't wait. Let me get my finger into here, and we will open him up, and we'll pull him out. Let's, we gotta do it again. I apologize. Whoa, almost killed myself right there. Let's try the scissors. I think the scissors are gonna be better for this kind of snipping. Snip, snip, snip. Let's pull him out. Here's Beast Man and all of his glory. Beast Man is one of the guys I don't have in the original Retro Motu, so I am more than happy to have him as, like, a remake, because, dude, he is so close to the original. It's so great. He has his accessories. He has this neat armor and stuff. Let's stand him here, and we'll pull this out, and we will see what additional accessories he has here. Let's throw that into the garbage. We'll pull that out for the recycling later. Got to make sure to recycle, guys. It's very important. I'm talking to you, engineer nerd, and recycling is the key to saving the earth. I can't get into this. Let me see. I'm going to have to do the scissors again. I... I apologize for you having to hear me sing and also open up stuff. I guess the opening up stuff I don't apologize for. That's just is what it is. Let's see. That's his gauntlet. Here's his whip. And then here is his additional gauntlet. Do these go? They go on his arms. This When we opened up those little Motus the other day, remember that? The Mega Blocks or the Mega Constructs? We wondered about that. They go on his arms. Let's see how easily... We can get that on there. There's one. Very easily on. Here is two. Very easily on as well. They look great. Man, you look awesome, Beast Man. You should be so proud of yourself. You look like you've been working out. And let's see. Here's his whip. His whip goes into his hand. Whips are... Whips are a weird weapon. I couldn't imagine, like, actually, like, entering combat with a whip. I mean, I can't imagine entering, like, armed combat in the first place. But, like, I couldn't imagine having a whip. I think that, like... You're going to start lashing it around and somebody take it away from you. It's good. It's good if, like, you're, like, whipping on your uh, servants or whatever. But I can't imagine that, like, I'm going to be able to, like, defeat somebody in an armed battle with this thing. I think that, like, once I get it, like, fully extended, they're just going to move in and they're going to take it away and stab me with their dagger or something. But our guy Beastman must be a master of this, I would imagine, by now. I mean, he has it. And I wonder, I wonder if this is some kind of, like... Some kind of play on the fact that people whip beasts with lashes. He's the beast who whips you back. Take that. Take that, Prince Adam, you punk, you blonde-headed punk with your page boy haircut. With zip, with zip, with zip. I like this guy. I like him a lot. He is proudly gonna go on my shelf of Motus. What a what a neat line. I saw um that they're getting ready to launch wave number two of these. The figure that would be the centerpiece of wave two is Scareglow. Scareglow is like this glow-in-the-dark skeleton kind of dude who is one of the uh, late wave of the original Motus. Very, very, verily. Very, very, very in high demand. I myself actually factually had a Scareglow and I sold it on eBay and I regret it all the time. One time I was at the Dig. I know I've told this story before, but it was at the Dig, which is the uh, Goodwill outlet store here in Santa Rosa. And this lady, Stella, who is like the nicest, sweetest lady you've ever seen in your life. But she, um... She pulled this giant plastic bag full of Masters of the Universe figures. And I'm not even kidding. It was full. It was big. It was like a garbage bag. It was massive. And I I asked her, I said, hey, 
I know you're going to take these out to the flea market. Stella sells at the flea market. She's um like one of the main vendors at the Sebastopol flea market. And I'm like, I know you're going to take these out there. Can I just look through these now and buy them ahead of time? I'll just pick out the ones that I like and I'll pay you right now. I'll pay a good price. I want these. I collect them. I'm into it. So she said, yeah. And I picked through and I got like King Randor and I got Scareglow and I got all these other ones. I got so many great ones that I that I wish I would have held on to now, but I was going through some kind of a money crunch and I had to sell Scareglow. I got like 150 bucks or something crazy like that. So it was it was worth it on the time. It put like groceries on the table. It kept the lights on, but I wish I had him now because I'm actually like into collecting Motus. I I gotta say, I've sold a lot of things over the years. I've bought a lot of things over the years and there's not really like a ton I really regret, but I do regret that Scareglow, man. So when the Wave 2 Scareglow comes out, your guy is going to be all over that. Let's, uh, let's do a quick, uh, search. I'm already on the online. We don't got to do the, um, the America Online thing. I made sure to log on before we got here. So let's see who is going to be in Wave 2 that we, we can be excited about. Besides, of course, good old Scareglow. You got... I want to find these. Here it is on uh, toywizards.com. I don't go there a lot, but I did go there for this. You're going to have Trapjaw. You're going to have Orgo. You're going to have Scareglow. And then you are going to have, what is this guy's name? Manny Faces. Is that who it is? I already have Manny Faces in the vintage. I have Orgo in the vintage. I don't have Trapjaw. Trapjaw is one that I've wanted for a while. So if I saw him on the shelf, I might get him. I know... That there are people out there with a trap jaw. I have an, uh, an eBay search for these retros, and I saw somebody said they had one, like in hand right now as we speak. So I don't know if they're all available, but um, if you see the scare glow, buy one for your guy. Don't do that. I I don't need that. I'll I'll find my own. I'm a hunter out there, but um, that's gonna be all good. I feel like I'm losing momentum on this segment. Let's move forward into the show. Up next is gonna be. The Pandemic Pantry, where our gal Sarah Burr, the Sausagetarian, is going to talk about avocados. But first this. Attention, the slime pits are overflowing, and slime is erupting all over the universe. I love slime. It's faceless, mindless, spineless, and now it's free. Free. Free when you buy any two Masters of the Universe figures. Get a free can of slime at participating stores until May 31st. Or until slime. The Pandemic Pantry, with your host, the Sausagetarian. What's up, friends? It's your friend, Sarah the Sausagetarian. I'm a little stuffed up today, but my spirits are high, and I'm looking at some avocados, and I'm feeling pretty good, because I really like avocados. I always have some around. About 10 years ago, I didn't eat avocados. I don't know why. It's like, I like them. I would eat guacamole and stuff, but I, I didn't have them around all of the time. And now I do, and I'm totally into it. It's fine if it makes me sort of like a clean eating bloggy lady type person. That's, that's okay. I love avocados, and I'm going to eat something that I like to eat. But I've noticed that some people get a little flummoxed feeling with avocados, so I have some really great avocado tips for you today. One of the things that I've noticed people have a hard time figuring out is when do you know an avocado is ripe? When I buy avocados at the store, 
I like to get the ones that are pretty hard because they'll ripen up on my counter and that way they won't get bruised on the way home. I'm certain you have all cut into an avocado and you open it up and it's just like round and gross inside and you can't put it on your sandwich or whatever you're going to do with it. And it's such a disappointment. So if you get avocados that are hard and plan ahead and give about, I don't know, three or four days up to a week for those guys to ripen up, then, then like you're the one in control. Here's the other thing. As they get ripe, they get darker. So the ones that are more greenish, they're firm, right? Those are the ones that aren't quite as ripe yet. They get darker as they get ripe. And of course they get squishy, but you don't want them too squishy because those are the ones that are all brown and gross inside, okay? The other thing is once they get perfectly ripe, sometimes you have way too many. You need to make guacamole, which is always fantastic. I could just eat a tub of guacamole, but when you want to parcel them out, Put your ripe avocados in the fridge. You may have heard not to do that, but it's okay. You can do it. And then you just pull it out when you're ready to use it. And they'll last in the fridge for like three or four days, kind of hibernating and imperfect right there. Um, another thing is that little nub at the top. That part is called the pit. And as long as it's attached to the avocado, you know that it's still in the ripening process. Usually when they start getting wet, the pit kind of like falls off. So if you're shopping at the store, unless you want one that day that's perfectly ripe, look for the ones that still have the pit attached. Because otherwise you'll bring them home and you'll just have to throw them out. An avocado recipe that I'm really into these days is a soup that sounds kind of contrived, but it's terrific. So you take some olive oil and you heat it up in a little pot. And then you add a sliced onion and a couple smashed cloves of garlic and you cook that until the onion soft. Then you add a package of frozen broccoli and a container of vegetable stock. That's, that's four cups of vegetable stock. You bring it to a boil and simmer it until the broccoli is soft. It doesn't take that long. Then you turn off the heat and you add the flesh of two ripe avocados. And you puree the whole work with an immersion blender. And that's that. That is your food. It's not pretty. It's like brownish green. But it's really satisfying and delicious and nice and creamy without having cream in it. I'm supposed to be avoiding dairy to some degree, so it's a great thing for me to have. Um, I can get that recipe you guys out on the tweets, but that's all. I'm gonna go feed this call that I have. I also wanted to say props to Dances with Wolves. I really like that movie as far as Kevin Costner flicks go, but it's pretty fun listening to your dude's top five coffee cuts back. Top five Kevin Costner movies. I like Dances with Wolf. Just had to slip that in there. So take care of yourselves. I'll talk to y'all later. Bye. Yo, icy robots. It's time to bring the noise. Grab this mic and kick the mass. And kick it, I shall. This is me, Icy Robots, and we are back. Big shout out to the Sausagitarian for doing that. You can find her on the Googles. You can find her whatever, man. Just go out there and do a search for Sarah Burr. That is S-A-R-A-B-I-R. It's uh, gonna lead you directly to where you need to know. Go. As far as Dances with Wolves, man, I don't know, dude. I never, I never not never got like the vibes of that movie. I, I've seen it, of course, but it never, it never like hooked me in. Like some of uh, Kevin Costa's more like pop level work, you know, your your Bull Durham's, your uh, things like that. I don't know, man. But like like I always say, movies, food, all these things, they're just like they're just like a matter of opinion. They're just a matter of taste. So what might be good for me might not be good for you, and vice versa. As far as avocados, your boy Icy Robots loves an avocado. I don't know. 
I don't know if this is like a California thing or what, but everybody around me loves avocados. The wife loves them. The kids loves them. We all, we are all avocado maniacs. Excuse me one sec. My, um, my earphones are starting to fall off my head because I'm sort of, I'm sort of gesticulating all over the place. But I love an avocado, dude. I think that it's like a very good substitute for mayonnaise on a sandwich if I'm going to eat like a bacon, lettuce, and tomato. Instead of putting the mayonnaise... I will instead put a nice layer of avocado, and it comes out great. It's just, it's just so good, just so fatty, just so luxurious. I, I love guacamole. I can't even stress that enough. Guacamole is, like, my favoriteest, like, favoriteest of all the, uh, various dips, all the various snack things that are out there. I love guacamole on a hamburger. I just love it, dude. I just think it's great. I have it at least once a week, which is... Which is one of these things that interfere with my diet. I can't, I can't give up the chips and guac. I, I don't know. We've tried, we've tried on like numerous occasions to grow avocados in, in the backyard. And it just does not take. I don't know what it is. We've had like, we've had a couple different avocado trees, but they just don't grow. I think that is, I think that's just like the way of the world. I know so many people around me because of our, our climate who've given the avocados a shot and like, they just never bear fruit. I know that when you, when you have a fruit tree, it's, it's best to have two. Because they, like, germinate each other or whatever it's called. And I, I I know that, like, the neighbors have them. I have them. But they never, not never germinate. They're just like, they're like the panda bear of fruit trees. You know, they they just don't want to mate. They just don't want to procreate and grow. But I, I don't know. It's still, it's still, it's fun. It's still worth giving it a shot. But, um, I can't recommend avocados highly enough. They're great in so many different ways. And I apologize if you can hear me scratching my head, but it's like, it's so cold. It's so cold right now. And when it gets cold, my skin gets dry. My scalp gets dry. And I just, I, I just, I don't know, man. I'm just picking at myself like a, like an ape, like a gibbon. And I, I do, I do apologize for that. It's not very professional at all. But then again, this isn't really like a professional radio show. You know, I'm not on KSRO like Pat Kerrigan. Big Big shout out to Pat Kerrigan. She's been our local news person for a while and she she recently retired, which is which is a bummer. I, I'm used to listening to her in the mornings and she's gonna be going her own way out there in the world. So big shout out to her. But this isn't uh the KSRO morning show with Pat Kerrigan. This is the stuck at home show with Icy Robots. And you will from time to time hear me scratching my dandruff laden head. I apologize for that. I I should be giving you guys a better a better project, but uh, just assume that I'm, I'm trying my best, that I'm, that I'm giving you all that I have at all times. Much like, much like our gal Sarah the Sausagetarian, dude, she really came through on this one. I, I've always wondered how to pick a good avocado. It's really like, it's really just like uh, a blind science. I'll go there and I'll see one that looks good and I'll come home and it'll be black inside. Or I'll see one that I think might ripen in a week when I want to eat it. And then it'll just never, never, not never, ever, ever ripen at all. It'll just stay like it is. I don't know. We've all, we've all had that problem. So I got to give it up to her for sharing her knowledge with us. What a, what a trooper. You can find her sausageatarian.com. Find her Sarah Burr. On the Googles, Sausageitarian on the tweets. She is out there on the Instagram, Sausageitarian as well. It is well worth looking into. Let's move into the uh, into the next segment of the show. It's something new, something fun. You're gonna enjoy it. I hope. Close your eyes and open your mind to a world of mysticism, a world envisioned by the legendary Gary Gygax. Join us on a journey into the magical world of Dungeons and Dragons, Black Arts and Arcane Spells. This is the Ghostly Tome with your favourite 25th level magic user, Icy Robots. 
Welcome to the Ghostly Tome. It is I, your favorite 25th level magic user of all the times and all the spaces. I go by the name of Icy Robots. The, the Ghostly Tome is a feature that I tried back in the days of the old Toys R Us report. I did it. I did it once. It kind of kind of failed at the box office, as they say. So I never, I never, I never went back to it. But I, I was, I was kind of thinking about it, and I do kind of, I kind of think the feature has weight. The feature is of this. Let me, let me tell you the tale of the ghostly tome. Back in the day, this is like elementary school. I was, I was like crazy into Dungeons and Dragons, like everybody else was, who was of, um, of a geeky ilk. But I, I didn't have like a whole posse to use to play with. So I would like, I would like go through the books and the guides, and I, w- I would make characters, and I, w- I would do stuff like that, and kind of run imaginary campaigns in my head, and my favorite, my most favorite dude that I ever made was this magic user that went by the name of Archimedes, and I pretended that, like, he had earned his way up to the 25th level, which gave him, like, numerous spell powers, numerous scrolls, numerous, numerous potions, and things like that, and I would, like, I would go through the rule book, and I would look at the spells, and I would, like, change his spells on his character sheet all the time, giving him different ones, different, different choices, depending on different imaginary situations, and the way that he would transport his spells around through the world of Gary Gygax, through the world of Dungeons and Dragons, was in a, a leather-bound manual known as the Ghostly Toad. The different ingredients of his spells, the different things he would have to do, the different incantations, the alakazams, and whatnot. And I was thinking, like, when, when I first kind of conceived this, I was going through my old player's handbook. This is the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons Adventure Game Player Handbook, compiled information for players and dungeon masters by the legendary Gary Gygax. This one was published in, uh, in 1980. It's the famous one with the two thieves on the statue of the Red Devil, and they're trying to, like, get his eyes out so they can hawk him at the, uh, at the flea market. It is that one. I've, I've had this for many, many a moon, and when I get, when I get a little, uh, extra time, I kind of like to, like, flip through here and study these, and I was, I was looking at the magic user's spells, and I decided, you know, Kind of a spell-by-spell deal might be kind of fun, because I was reading them, and I was becoming, like, I was becoming greatly amused with the whole thing, reading these different, uh, different incantations. So that is, that is the tale of the ghostly tome, and how the ghostly tome came to exist. Now, now that we got all that out the way, let's take a look at the first spell in the advanced Dungeons & Dragons Player's Handbook section for magic users. The very first spell that you encounter in the guide, the first level spell that begins with A, is a spell known as Affect Normal Fires. This spell enables the magic user to cause fires from as small as a torch to as large as a normal bonfire. This is, this is a pretty good spell for like a level one dude. You can basically like, you can like shoot flames out of your hand. It has a range of like one half a foot. Per level, so a dude like your guy Archimedes, he's a 25th level magic user, he can sit at like, like 12 and a half feet at you. Deadly. It lasts uh, one round, and you have a verbal component, as well as a semantic component, and that means you have to say something. You have to say like, abracadabra, boom, you shoot the flame out, as well as moving your hand in like a particular way, like up and down, left and right, you're like, alakazam! And you shoot it out and the flame comes out. That one's, that one's pretty fun. You don't need any kind of sort of like, uh, herbs or spices or whatever. Just the words and the hand motion. I dig that. The next one is a burning hands. And this one is, it can make, 
fire shoot out of your, out of your fingertips in a fan-like manner. I guess that's cool as well. I would rather affect normal fires. You know what I think? I think the affect normal fires is a spell that means you can like, you could like hold up a cigarette lighter and make the flame shoot out, but you need the cigarette lighter to do it. I think that this spell here, the burning hands means you, you can create, create the actual fire yourself. Like you can shoot it right out of your hands. That's pretty cool. I dig that too. Let's see what the components of that. That is also a verbal and semantic component. It takes one segment to cast. There is no saving throw against these flames. It has a range of zero. It just comes right out of your hands. You could use this to like light the torch and then you have the effect normal fires to like blast it at them. These could work in conjunction like one and two. That's pretty neat. Moving forward through the ghostly tome, the next spell is an enchantment. It is known as Charm Person. This is basically the one where you're like, look into my eyes, look into my eyes, and you like, you make a motion toward them, and then they become under your spell. You glamour them like it's on True Blood. Let's see, this is a level one spell. You can do it up for 12 feet. That's pretty, that's pretty good. It has an area effect of one person. It has a verbal and semantic kind of thing, so you have to say, look into my eyes while you're moving your, your hands around and whatever, and the dude will fall. He'll fall under your spell. Except as shown above, this spell is, is the same as the second level druid spell, Charm Person. But the magic user can charm only persons, i.e. brownies, dwarves, elves, gnolls, gnomes, half-elves, halflings, half-orcs, hobgoblins, humans, and whatnot, whereas the druid can charm animals. He can put, like... He could put tigers and mountain lions under his spell because he's more he's more connected to the earth than the run-of-the-mill magic user. The next one on the list is a spell known as Comprehend Languages. This is this is basically what it sounds like it is. It allows you to speak the various the various uh tongues of your dwarves and your whatnot. I'm flipping through here right now trying to see what uh trying to see what different kind of things there are in here. And then than this, I'm I'm sorry, I, I lost my space in the book. That's what's actually happening. I went back and I looked at the druid spell. The next one on here is called Comprehend Languages. The components of this are a verbal, a semantic, and a material, which means you need some kind of an herb. You need some kind of a spice. You need some dragon's blood or the tooth of a gnome to cast this spell. But more or less, it is what it sounds like it is. It allows you to understand the languages of the different dudes. The next one is Dancing Lights. This is one that I always like. It has a range of four feet plus one per level. So your guy Archimedes can go four plus the 25 feet, 25 levels that he is. So that's a total of 29. This also has a verbal, a semantic, and a material component. So you need your, you need your magic word. You need your abracadabra. Alley-oop. You need your motion. You got to move your hands around in a certain way. And... You need some kind of an herb, you need some kind of a spice, as well as some moss from a tree deep in the woods of the haunted forest. And what this spell does is, it creates lights in, in, in the distance. It is an alteration, it is an illusion that makes you, makes your opponent be confused by the flashing of the lights. I can see it definitely having uses for this. The next spell, and we're on to the second page here, let me, let me mark these off, I'm marking them with a pencil on the side as I go along in a very light mark so that I can I can erase it if need be. The next one is Detect Magic. And what this does is basically it allows you to see if, let's say, you're up on a magic chest that you found. You can use this spell to detect whether there is some kind of a uh, curse on the, on the chest. Pretty neat. You need a verbal, 
and a semantic. You can use this for two rounds per level. So your dude, your dude Archimedes being 25th level, you multiply that by two, he can be 50, 50 rounds of detecting magic all up and around his frame. All right, uh, let's do a couple more of these before we get up out of here. Hold on, I, I sat the ghostly tome. I sat it on the ground. The next spell is a spell known as Enlarge. It is a alteration, meaning that it changes something. It's a level one spell. It has a range of half a foot. And basically what this does is it makes something or somebody grow much larger. If it's a dude, you can turn him to an ogre-sized being or a giant-sized being, depending on depending on your level of success in the world of magic. Or you can cast it on an object. You could, say, take a boulder, shoot the spell at it, and turn the boulder larger and use it to hide behind. Or something like that. It has a verbal, semantic, and a material component necessary. So you need all the things, the words, the motion, the herb. It lasts for, let me see, one turn per level. So your guy... Archimedes, the 25th level dude, can make it last for 25 levels. He could turn himself into a super giant wizard and he could stomp on all you guys. That's, that's pretty neat. The next one is a spell known as Erase. It's also an alteration. Its duration is permanent. It has a verbal plus a somantic requirement. The Erase spell removes writings either magical or mundane from a scroll or from one or two sheets of paper. That's, that's interesting. I can imagine that would have some, some uses. Like, let's say your dude's reading out of his own version of the ghostly tome. You could cast this in his direction, erase the whole tome. He loses all of his spells. I can see how that might be useful. Here's, we're going to do, this is going to be the last one. We've gone through two whole pages of spells, and this one is called Featherfall. It's an alteration, and the basic idea of this one is, as you fall, you cast the spell, and you become as light as a feather, and you sort of flutter down to the earth, as opposed to, as opposed to falling on your head and dying. You can use it for one segment or distance traveled per level. It needs a verbal, plus a material component. It takes one to ten segments to cast this. So this could take a long time, dude. You might be having to fall, like, down a bottomless pit before this could come in effect for you. When this spell is cast, the creature or creature or object or objects effective immediately assumes the mass of a feathery piece of down. Rate of falling is thus instantly changed to a mere constant two feet per second and no damage is occurred when landing. This is, this is a very useful spell because in the world of uh, Gary Gygax's creation Dungeons and Dragons, you're falling down pits. All the time, there's always, like, uh, holes in the ground covered by leaves, and you try to walk over them, you fall. Somebody's always trying to toss your dudes down into a bottomless dungeon. You cast this, you float. You flutter down to the earth like a balloon that has just run out of helium. That's, that's pretty fun. When we come back, we're gonna continue on. We're gonna do Find Familiar to begin the next time we do this segment. That's one of my favorite spells. I always had a lot of fun imagining that I had a familiar. Now we do. Her name is Ursa. She's a dog. I love her a lot. Uh, let's, uh, let's go forward. Okay, guys, we're gonna, we're gonna get up out of here in a second, but before we do, I have, I have some real talk, and it is, it's not happy stuff, so if you want to bail out now, I definitely do understand that. I know that we all want to, we all want to get our giggles. We all want to have our fun from the show, but this is, this is a real time, and there's real things going on, and I, 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 I want to express some thoughts. I, I do appreciate, though, if you, if you tune in, if you don't, it's fine, whatever. But, uh, my, my aunt passed away this past week. She passed away from COVID. She lives in Tennessee, 
and she is my mom's my mom's sister. I I cared about her a lot. She was a great lady. We would go down to Tennessee every summer when I was younger, and I spent a lot of time down there with her, and she was always really, 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 really great to me, and I'm sad. I'm sad to see her go. I, I'm mostly angered. I'm angered by this whole thing as well as I am sad because she was, while not a, a devout anti-masker, she was the kind of folks who didn't really want to be bothered with the inconvenience of wearing a mask and now she's gone. She's gone, she passed away, she got the bug, and then three days later she died. I, I want you guys to take something from this. I want you to appreciate this. I want you to understand that this is a real situation. And I know that sometimes wearing a mask is very inconvenient. And I know that sometimes wearing a mask is not what you want to do at the time. But I implore you, please, please wear a mask when you're out there in these social situations. Because it's real, man. It's real. Real people died. I lost somebody to my family. And I'm very, very sad. I'm very sad for my mom. This was her sister. And she loved her a lot. They spoke every Sunday And every Sunday when I would talk to my mom, she would tell me how she spent so much time trying to get my aunt to social distance and try to stay away from other people and social gatherings. They were still having parties. They were still having all these things there, these these school events, these football games, all these things that they would do normally were just going on like there wasn't anything in the world that would stop you from doing something like that. And I, I feel terrible because she paid the price for she paid the price for just all these bad messages out there all these messages telling you that it's no worse than the flu i just want to say it is not it is not true in any way this is just a real life situation it's very 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 sad i will miss my aunt for the rest of my days she was a delightful lady i feel so bad for my cousin he's left without his mom i feel bad for my for my nephew, he's left without his grandma i feel bad for my mom she's left without her sister and the whole thing was completely 100% avoidable. You just stay inside as much as you can. You wear a mask when you can't. And you keep your hands clean. And you should be... You should be able to avoid this whole thing. But she didn't want to listen to the messages that were out there. She didn't believe it was real. She was hearing things from the people up top. The people who hopefully soon will be leaving our public sector. She's hearing messages from them that it's... It's just not a real thing, dude. That it's no worse than the flu. That there's cures out there. That there's magic potions. And I I lost my aunt. I lost my aunt because of all this messaging. And your boy is very, very, very sad. But I'm not telling you this to try to try to elicit some sympathy from you. I'm trying to tell you this so that you understand that this is a lesson you can learn, that this is real. That you can you can avoid this whole thing. Please. Get your folks. Get your folks to wear a mask if they're not. Talk to your grandparents. If they're not into it, please. Just Try to spread the truthful message of what we can do to stay healthy. This is all completely avoidable if we do what we're supposed to do. So I just hope you learned something from this. I'm I'm very sad, but I'm happy to be here with you guys. I'm happy to keep soldiering on. I'm happy to keep moving through life because what else is there to do, right? We all got to keep going forward. And until we talk again, my guys, please stay safe. Please stay healthy. And most of all... Do the time. Don't let the time do you. Times seem hard right now. But you gotta believe things are getting better. Birds are migrating again. Rains are back. Stuff's stuff's getting better. Things are getting better.
This has been an IC Robots Radio production. 